1: Welcome back to the Mark podcast. Uh, I'm here. I'm Elizabeth Heineman and I'm here with my co-host, Kelly King. Hey, everybody. It's good to be back. Yes, we're still recording from home, um, but we have fancy new mics, so we feel very professional now. Um, but... You'll still probably hear some background noise and some random stuff. So we appreciate your patience with that. Uh, Today, we want to introduce you to an author that we um, love at Lifeway and have worked with her pretty often, I feel like, on different projects. And so um, we're talking today with Jamie Sumner. And Jamie, one of the things that we do... On this podcast is we don't like to read bios. we like to have our guests introduce themselves. so tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, and your ministry.
2: Absolutely. well, first, thank you for having me on <laughs> yes um, so i'm Jamie Sumner, and I am based here in Nashville, Tennessee, and um, I have written a lot of different kinds of things I would say um. Obviously, Eat, Sleep, Save the World, um, which was through LifeWay, um, is a faith-based parenting book for parents of kids with special needs. And most of the things I write revolve around special needs. I just tend to do it in different ways. So I also write for the New York Times and the Washington Post, kind of op-ed essays about that topic in one way or another. And then I write middle grade um, fiction. And um, those books also tend to feature kids with uh, differences because they just don't get enough page time and screen time and everything else that they deserve. Um, so that's kind of my writing life. My home life is I, am, I have a husband and three kids. Charlie um, is eight and he's my oldest and he has cerebral palsy. And he is in a wheelchair and is mostly nonverbal, but he uses a speaking device, which looks kind of like an iPad. Um, he uses it a lot better for his teachers than he does for for us. <laughs> I hope one day that flips, but so, well, maybe not flips, evens out. Um, and then I also have twins, Cora and Jonas, they're six, so... That's kind of the family, and I feel like as far as my mission and ministry goes, it's basically just to share the truth kind of of our ordinary life that we live here and how God has taken care of us through the good stuff and the hard stuff um, without really sugarcoating it, Um, or because a lot of things don't tie up the way, like, we, we like to have them tie up in nice little bows, but, um, I don't know. I feel like it's important to just share that you can have hope and, and happiness and joy, even when it's not, even though your circumstances might not be there, like your heart mm-hmm. can still be there, um, because that's what God does. So yeah. that's
1: kind of me. Yeah. Yeah. And what an important message for this year when I felt oh like gosh. no one would have, wished for these circumstances. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really cool. We're glad to have yeah. you on and get Thank to talk you. with you more about this.
0: Yeah. Let's talk a little more about your book that B&H published, Eat Sleep, Save the World. And so I know that, you know, probably there's some things in there that, you know, that you've lived through with Charlie and just kind of as a family, but maybe just, you know, tell us a little bit more about the book and maybe the heart behind it and, and just, why, why you felt just so compelled, like this is a message that, you know, people need to hear, not just, not just parents with children with special needs, but anyone.
2: Yeah. So this book, first of all, I don't think I could have written this book any earlier in my parenting journey and -hmm. Charlie's journey specifically than I did. Um, because a lot of the wisdom I gained later was, of course, through hindsight. So, the first thing I would say to anybody listening who's parenting and in a hard situation right now is don't be hard on yourself if you're not feeling super introspective or wise and you're just kind of surviving Mm -hmm. um, because I was absolutely doing that. Um, And so, when Charlie, I'll tell more of his story, but when Charlie got a little more stable and I, was, I had some distance from the hardest, scariest parts at least, um, that's when I felt like that tug on my heart to share my story with other parents like me. Um, the subtitle is Encouragement, Words of Encouragement for the Special Needs Parent. Um, but since the book has come out, I've heard from so many parents who aren't whose kids don't have special needs um, or teachers and educators that have come across the book um, and leaders in the church that have come across the book and what they have said to me, which is so kind and it just proves there are such good people that hearts, their hearts are turned outwards to the people in their community. Like, it's not all just what I need for me. It's what I need for my community. But I've heard from them that this book has really helped them understand how to be more empathetic and how to serve the people in their community that do have special needs and the parents that are exhausted and miss going to church and dropping their kids off in Sunday school and having them looked after. And especially right now, um, who miss school and their therapies. And I think the book, It was a weird time to publish a book, but then I think the message of this book is actually perfect for this time, because we're all looking around going,
0: what's going on, and how do I keep swimming through it, you know? Yeah, every day's a challenge, isn't it? For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, parents are all struggling with, you know, and and I'm sure some, some parents who maybe they've been told that their child has maybe like a learning disability or something in school. If they've had to teach them at home, mm-hmm. they've probably gotten a whole new perspective even on that. And so just that whole kind of spectrum of needs. Um, I think that's really important to to kind of think through all that too. Absolutely. All this parents home
2: taking like becoming a teacher when they never thought they would have to be. I mean Because we all, if you you step back, we all have special needs in the way that we all learn differently and we all Mm -hmm. handle things and process things differently. And to have to work through that as a family and take different roles that you never thought you'd have to take, it changes the family dynamic and the relationships a little bit. And everyone is working through that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I talk with uh, one of my friends has kids at home and she's just like, I was not expecting like i don't homeschool my kids for a reason (laughs) and so you know and that's that's different for every person but she was just like i'm trying to work full-time and do all this stuff and and so now i'm having to also figure out how to teach my child and um so yeah i feel that especially like kelly said for those who maybe learn differently than their parents did and that's also difficult um to like figure out how to teach this child versus this child and different things. Yeah. I, um, for sure. am like praying for all the parents right
0: now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you
1: touched on this just a little bit, but we'd love to have you kind of expand on, um, what encouragement you have for parents of children with special needs and how yeah, would you I- just encourage them in this moment?
0: Yeah. And even tell us a little more of Charlie's story yeah, too. Sure. Yeah, yeah, Um So I guess I'll
2: start with the Charlie story part. Um, so Charlie was um, diagnosed in utero with a rare overgrowth syndrome, mm-hmm. which it's, it's so rare. Like the residents at the university hospital were like, ooh, what's this new fun thing? And, you know, <laughs> we're like, this isn't a new fun thing for us. Let's not look right. at it like a, a fun puzzle, but... Um it basically we think it contributed to his my preterm labor. And so he was born at 30 weeks and um part of the overgrowth was he was born with an enlarged tongue. And so we spent about three months in the NICU trying to figure out what he would need in order for us to bring him home safely. Um and that ended up being a tracheotomy so that he could breathe through the hole in his throat and not have to try to breathe past his tongue. Um, that was an excruciating decision, um, because nobody wants to voluntarily put their kid through such a traumatic surgery and especially your baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had also received the news while we were in the NICU that he had had some brain damage. We don't know when or how, which I also think is a blessing that God did not like, there was no fault to be blamed. It was just this happened. And, um, he, he. He wouldn't be diagnosed until a year old with cerebral palsy, but we knew that it would lead to something like cerebral palsy. So there were a lot of things, um, weighty things when we first brought Charlie home that we couldn't really process. We were just kind of living moment to moment. I mean, he had a, I carried around a backpack that had a suction machine in it and I would have to Mm -hmm. suction out the trach and, and And, um, he slept with an oxygen and heart rate monitor and, you know, he, he was prone to seizures. And so we rode in the ambulance a few times. Um, and it was just really scary. Mm. I would like to pause and say that parents right now of immunocompromised kids, like, I, my, I pray every day for those parents and those children because it's a scary time to, to have to yeah. deal with that because it's an added layer of fear. I remember just being paranoid about our power going out because of that suction mm. pump for his trach. Oh, wow. Just yeah. any anything like that. And so to have like your child have a seizure and not know whether you should call an ambulance or not because with that risk something else, it's just a hard place to be. So for sure. So that's something. But um All that to say the first several years um, of Charlie's life before he got the trach out um, were very hard and the book itself is kind of the book that I wish that I'd had if I like a, a book that wasn't like a manual of instructions or you could do this better or do this list of things or pray these seven prayers like For me, I really just needed someone to tell me that I was doing okay Mm -hmm. and that I could rest a little bit in the knowledge that God was taking care of me so that I could take care of Charlie and that he created me to take care of Charlie in that unique, special way. And so the book actually focuses on the things that I believe that God gifts us, the traits he gifts us um, that are supernatural and spiritual that help us become the parent our child needs. Um, Mm. You know, there's resilience and determination and thankfulness and cheerfulness. And a lot of times I didn't feel those things at the moment, but looking back, I saw the, like, it's the lightning flashes of it almost, of God stepped in and provided in a way that enabled me to be cheerful despite the circumstance, even though my heart might not have been in it. I saw how he, how he carried me through it. And that later made me so thankful. And so it made my heart lighter in a way that I, you know, you can't lift yourself up, but God can't like, you know, you can't pick yourself up. Um, That's why you have to lean on others. And I think the book kind of hopefully will do that for readers. It will lift them up in a way that maybe they're not feeling in the moment, but then they step away and then they can experience a little glimpse of it.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think true. that that message is true for everybody, no matter where they are, you know, God's got this, <laughs> but it's definitely um, a unique need. I feel like for parents that are going through that, anything with your kids is scary. So um Yeah. Thank you for writing that.
0: Yeah, and, and what you said about just that God had prepared, like, he planned for you to parent Charlie and that, um, you you know, you may not have expected this and this may not have been what you had planned for your life that he knew all along, um, which I think is, is such a good reminder of God's um, just how he how He orchestrates our life and our stories, mm-hmm. and that each of us do have a story. And I, and I like how you said, too, that you've gotten a lot of emails and you've gotten some some things from people who, who don't have children with special needs but but are in the church. Maybe they're, maybe they're ministering or maybe they're educators. I have a daughter who's a music teacher, and she actually had a child. Um, it was her first year of teaching. This has been four years ago, um, who was blind. And so she was having to navigate how to do music with him and just, you know, making sure that he, you know, had a a good experience in that classroom and, and, and just knowing those needs. So like as far as the book and just encouraging other people who maybe need to, to know how to work with parents, um, what would you say to them? What would you say to the parents who don't have, you know, children with special needs in that particular way, but, but want to serve? I would say the biggest thing
2: for us is for those around us to not be afraid to come into our circle, um, It because if no one does, and it feels like a bubble of isolation, when I know that there's this element of politeness, societal politeness, that that adults tend to feel more than kids, but it's this idea of like, we don't want to make anyone uncomfortable. So we'll just stay over here and we'll smile, but we're going to keep walking kind of thing. Um, kids are all up in your space and they'll (laughs) run up to us and say, why is he in that wheelchair? And I love it because, because they want to know. And the fact that they want to know starts a conversation. And I think, what I would want most is for adults to be brave enough to ask silly questions or maybe Mm -hmm. even embarrass themselves. Because for us, I don't care if you ask, I'm not going to be offended. I would love to talk about it. I would love to give Charlie a chance to sign and talk on his speaking advice to you. And, And I think that's been the, it's such a weird thing to overcome because I'm not going to run up to everyone and say, hello, would you like to hear my story? Would you like to meet Charlie? You know, we right. want people to come to us. Um, and I think that would be the biggest thing I would say is just for, for leaders in the community and teachers and everything, be willing to learn, which, you know, you hit this certain age and you think, if I'm not good at something, I'm just maybe not going to pursue that thing because I know what I'm mm. good at by this point And that's what I'll stick with. But I think the key to like truly empathetic people and people who are world changers are that they're willing to keep learning things that they're not good at and Mm -hmm. then they grow bigger as people. And then in turn, they change the people around them. And so that's what I would just say to encourage others.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's, that's really good. I love that because I think we can all use a reminder that, we're constantly learning and we're learning from each other. And like you said, that's what breeds empathy, um, and, and service. Like that's how we can encourage people is just learning about like everybody loves to tell their story, you know, and to kind of invite people into their lives. And so, um, even the introverts <laughs> love that Especially so. us
2: introverts, we need to be, trials.
1: yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. So one thing, too, that um, our podcast, we know a lot of women who are leaders in a church, whether it's through kids' ministry or um, women's ministry or just, you know, maybe they just volunteer in different areas. So what are some, like, practical ways that the church can be welcoming to everyone, Um, even those, like, even adults who may have different abilities than we do? What are some very, like, practical steps that church members can take to welcome
2: I would say bring in people who have special needs, like people who do this kind of thing, not just, don't Mm -hmm. just grab someone off the street and say, take a tour of my church, but bring, bring some people in that, that know kind of what to look for. Um, as far as like simple things like are the doors downstairs handicap accessible? Do they have a button? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, like very small things like that. Can they get over this curve? Um, Are are there ways to, are they reaching out online to people that may not be able to get to them? Um, Things like that first. And then I would say, have people within the church Community, like you have, you know, women's leaders in the church, mm-hmm. and and um, the the nursery and pre K, and you know, young adults, and you have all these different departments that are focused on these different areas. Why not have a few people in your special needs department of your church? so that that ministry, at least the seedling of it, can be established and they can start praying over what needs to happen and they can start reaching out to community members that already have special needs so that they can ask them, you know, online survey, make a phone call, Mm -hmm. ask them what they wish were different about the church. And then when you start thinking along those lines, it becomes so much more natural and easier to change the things that maybe need to be changed within the church when you have that, that foundation. That's what our church did, actually, because there wasn't a special needs ministry really before Charlie was born. Mm. And, I, I mean, I remember we we didn't leave him in, in nursery because you can't leave a kid with a trach in the nursery yeah. if there's no one that knows how to use a tray, you know, clean a trach and take care of it. And when he got a little older – There was one person that volunteered that was a nurse Mm. that had experience, and that was enough to change our entire church experience because we were able to sit for 45 minutes in a service while we knew that Charlie was taken care of. And then from that, that spun out, and they they talked to other churches in our area that already had a special needs ministry. Then as, as more people that had kids with special needs came to our church, they surveyed. They took a survey of us and asked what we needed. Um, they All the church activities, the, the trunk or treat, the Easter egg hunt, all those things, they made sure to have a special needs part of it or to accommodate for special needs. It's things like that that let us know that we were thought of beforehand. And so a lot of the problems that normally fall on the parents to kind of figure out, like the overstimulus of the egg hunt or the crowdedness of the trunk or tree when you have a kid with a physical disability, like all these things that I as a parent would normally have had to come and kind of fight for and struggle through, someone in the church had already thought of that, and I felt so taken care of because mm-hmm. of that. And it's just that note of, we acknowledge you, we are looking after you, even if we're not doing it perfectly, we're giving our best shot
0: that made our church our home. Yeah. Wow, Jamie. I mean, I just, I'm sitting here thinking, your church (laughs) did a really good job of that. And Mm -hmm. I, I guarantee you, there are so many parents who aren't going to church because they don't feel like there's a place for their child or they don't feel and they need they, they need that worship, they need the community of other believers. They and, need that um, respite. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so what a challenge to the church of just yeah. being proactive and not and not just waiting for someone to walk in your door or, or to have a family that maybe there's a birth and you know that there's some issues or some differences, but to be think on um, I just think about, you know, children's ministry. Man, those leaders are heroes. They really are, aren't they? They just are. Oh my gosh, they're amazing. I couldn't do it. (laughs) Oh, it's a lot. I I know. I mean, I've just seen some in different churches work so well. And and I I remember a, a children's minister who Um, They had a family that she would just keep their child so that they could go to worship once Mm -hmm. a week. It was like that one hour that they, like you said, just to have that to themselves. So that's really cool. I I know you've got a lot of resources and ideas of things that people could do. Can you kind of share some of those?
2: Um,
0: Resources for the church? Yeah, resources for anybody who might be looking for just like, how can we do this better? Um, I would
2: say, okay, well, the first thing I would say is the best way to learn is not to have to forge your own path Mm. and instead look to what others have done ahead of you. (laughs) And then it's like how hard it is to walk in the snow when you have to make the first footprint and then how much easier it is when you get to be the one to follow and just step in the same path. So, um, the biggest thing, and this is an example just from us, is that our church asked the special needs ministry at, it's actually, I guess it's technically, it's the, the church that started the, the grandmother church. I don't know, it's two ahead. <laughs> there you go. There, there you, you go. go. Um Asked that church who already had an established ministry to come and do a a seminar. Just do mm-hmm. a seminar and teach us what, how you got started and what we need to do for first steps. So I would say ask a church in your area that has a special needs ministry already established that you might have a relationship with that church to come in and give you advice and to really shepherd you. I mean, it's how we do church plants. It's like, you find a church established and then they sprout off its own church, but they take care of them while it's still new to make sure that they have the support they need. And so that's what we did. And that would be my biggest like step one.
1: Yeah. I feel like that's helpful advice for whatever you're trying to do. Find someone that's already been there. And I mean, it's why you talk to moms who have kids a little bit older than you you're like, okay, So you went
2: through the whole refusing all solids, I'm not going to give up or I'm sleep regression or (laughs) or whatever it is. And so you can ask someone ahead of you to know that it's possible to get past that point.
1: For sure. And you talk a lot about specifically disability in literature. And so what are some resources? I know you've written several books and we told you you need to plug those here. So this is the time where, uh, what are some resources that you would recommend as well as the ones that you have written?
2: So for li- in literature, so I write middle grade fiction with Simon and & Schuster. And so middle grade is, you know, that precious time of like, I would say <laughs> anywhere from like third grade through eighth grade, where reading is still cool. Yeah. Kids are still curious about it. You know, they love it when authors come to visit their schools. And so I really felt my heart go towards that age group because that's such a great time to introduce different ideas because they're already kind of thinking what what are my opinions on all these things that aren't just my parents opinions yeah so I wrote so my first middle grade novel was roll with it and it came out last year and um, it's about a girl with cerebral palsy who dreams of being a famous baker and then when she and her mom moved to a trailer park in Oklahoma
0: to help oh, I'm take in care Oklahoma her. right now. That's so crazy. <laughs> yes. You what? I'm in Oklahoma right now. I'm at my parents in Oklahoma. Oh, we yes. need to talk because I yes. grew up spending
2: all my summers in Oklahoma. Eufala, you Eufala. You
0: Absolutely. Yes, yes. <laughs> we'll talk offline. Yes. Well, we'll and do. that's
2: where that's where she goes in the book. She goes to this trailer park in Ufala and it's all about her kind of defining what she wants to be known for um, because the school she starts attending has never had a kid in a wheelchair. The bus can't even pick her up because it's Mm -hmm. a gravel road and she can't get down in her wheelchair to the part that the bus would come to. And it doesn't have a lift. I mean, so there's all these things in the book that address how a community can support a kid with special needs, but also how as someone with special needs, you can be assertive for yourself and make your Mm -hmm. needs known and how, kind of we all hope to be known for the things we pick instead of just the things people see us for, because you know, that's not fair. I don't want to be just known for the girl with the brown hair. Like I want to be known for what I want to be known for. Yeah. And so that was roll with it. And then tune it out comes out. Well, as we're recording, this comes out tomorrow. <laughs> yes. um, but it comes out September 1st, 2020. And it's um, about a girl with basically the voice of an angel and she is poised and set to become a star. I mean, you think, you hear her and you think, oh, she's going to be on American Idol, you know, or Mm. The Voice or whatever. Um, But she also has a sensory processing disorder that makes performing impossible. But her mother pushes her into these situations and eventually Child Protective Services separates the two. And Mm. when she moves, she really learns what... SPD is and you really see that experience through her eyes of what it's like to be overwhelmed by sound or touch Mm. um, or fabrics even the fabrics of the uniform she has to wear to go to this new school and and it deals with a lot of things um, that people with invisible disabilities especially kids find hard to vocalize because you shouldn't have to just fight for the world to understand you when you're that age you should just be able to be you and have that acceptance but unfortunately that's not always the way it works and it's so much harder with an invisible disability because you always have to explain and you know it's this book is really kind of it's i hope a voice i hope it's a voice for those kids so that they can be understood and not always have to spout it like they're on a commercial like let me just be understood for myself um, and if there's, and I grew up doing musical theater all yes. the way through high school, middle school. And so there's a real big musical theater element to it. Um, that's where Lou, Lou Louise Lou Montgomery is her name. And that's where she kind of finds her home. But, um, so if you're a musical theater lover, this will be your book.
1: There you that's go. So
2: fun. But yeah. there's some other, there's a million great books that promote, um, empathy and understanding when it comes to special needs, um, all the way from picture books up through adult. But some of my favorites are Out of My Mind by Sharon Draper, um, Fish in a Tree, which is a great one. Um, El Defo is a beautiful middle grade novel. Um, So there's so many out there. I think think awareness is growing, which is wonderful. People want these books. They... Um, they want to understand and they're curious and that's all that I can ask, you know?
1: Yeah, and reading is such a great way, especially like you said, at that age because that is when you're reading everything and trying to figure out like who you are and who other people are. Um, And that's where I feel like there's a lot of curiosity anyway. And so Mm -hmm. um, we're thankful for resources like that because I remember reading books as a kid of people in completely different circumstances than I was in. And it did help me to have empathy for people in similar circumstances to those that I read about, but I just maybe didn't encounter in real in real life. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that's, we're always promoters of reading and literacy. So <laughs> yes, for absolutely. sure, for sure, that is, uh, that's a great, some great resources to have on hand. So this is the March podcast. And so a question that we always like to ask and you can answer this however you want. Some people go very serious. Some people do something a little bit lighter. But what is something that has marked you in your life with Christ?
2: Well, I mean, the most obvious answer would be when I gave birth to Charlie and then right. became basically, I think, the human. Like I was, it's like I was in, I was an embryo until I had Charlie and then I became <laughs> a full flesh person. But, um, There's so many things, Um, but I would go back a little bit before Charlie, and I would say, (laughs) it's funny to say this during quarantine and COVID and everything, um, but I would say marriage, Mm -hmm. my husband, even though we are currently stuck in a house together, and it's (laughs) often not as rosy as I'm about to say, but um, marrying Jody, who is the polar opposite of me for example he works in IT and sits at a computer all day and does like numbers and coding I mean if you can pick (laughs) an opposite for me and like I'm down here writing a book right he's up there in binary code um I think the fact that God brought us together and has kept us together through all of the things with our kids um and this now Um, I would say that has changed me the most fundamentally as a human because it Mm -hmm. showed me that it showed me that God knows what's best for me. You know, He knows what's best for me, and He put Jody in my life to prove that. Even when He will say things and will fight over (laughs) the fact that. There is currently no um, filter in our bathroom vent and it's not working. And he <laughs> has been to Home Depot about 30 times to make it work, but yet it still doesn't work because he wants to get it just right. I mean, <laughs> it's it, there's so many little things that I'm like, let's just get it done. And he's like, well, let me research, you know. and And there's so many like little tugs back and forth between us that it's, it's just enough to remind me that like, I am not a perfect soul and I am (laughs) not done and I will not be fully cooked until heaven. Um, But he has, he has definitely been, he's the person I want to tell all my good and bad news to. And so I think that has marked me in a way that if I had, if I had given you know, there's this idea that if you, get what you want. C.S. Lewis talked about this all the time. I taught a C.S. Lewis seminar when I taught high school. And it's this idea in the great divorce that if you finally get what you want, it's going to be your own personal help because we don't know what we need. We know what we want. And I think that if I had gotten what I want, I would be this isolated person for my whole life. And we've all gotten a taste of what isolation is like right now. And I think that Jody, for me is proof that God is going to pull me out and put me in a better place over yeah. and over
0: and over again. Well, there, there's definitely nothing as sanctifying as marriage. Oh, that man. is for sure. Oof. That is for sure. This has been so much fun yes. talking to you, Jamie. And i I'm kind of really interested in the new books you're, that you've got, from here. and <laughs> I'm not a middle school student, but I, I've always just been interested in children's literature, and I think that's so cool because they really—I think that people can learn. So we we're definitely going to put a link in our show note to "Eat, Sleep, and Save the World," and mm-hmm. so we want people to to you know if you're if you're a parent of a special needs child, or you are working with special needs children, if you're a, a teacher or Uh, in ministry and you want to just know how to do this better we really want to encourage you there and if you um, have children who I think no matter if they have a need or not those novels will be great encouragement so that they can have the empathy that they need to have so Jamie thank you so much for being with us today this has been so much fun getting to know you
2: Oh, it's been so great. You know, it's always nice to talk to people that don't live in your house. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yes, (laughs) absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us again today. And we will talk to you soon.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Bye Bye. 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 Thanks so much for listening. If you want to join in on the conversation, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram, at Kelly D. King and at E.D. Heinemann. Use the hashtag MarkedPodcast to connect with us. You can also find
1: Lifeway Women on all social media channels at Lifeway Women. All of today's show notes will be
0: posted at LifewayWomen.com slash podcast. If you love the show, leave an iTunes review. It's a great way for other people to hear about the podcast. We'll see you next time.